Hi, and welcome to the Jimboomba Baptist Church Sermon of the Week. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged by this message. Imagine, ooh, write down things. Imagine um, if you knew Jesus was going to be here when you rocked up this morning. Like, imagine if you knew that he would be here in person. What would change in your expectations about this meeting? What would change about your expectations of us gathering together if Jesus was, like, right here? Like in, like in the first century, you know? Wouldn't you come with different expectations? Wouldn't we come with different expectations? But the reality is he is here. He is here. What do you want to do? Oh, like when Jesus showed up, it was never boring, was it? <laughs> There's always something amazing happening. So, yeah. Um, just before I get into things, uh, Alpha Leaders, 11.20, we're going to meet at the bridge just to pray for our Alpha peeps, okay? And um, we uh, had Alpha on the Wednesday night for the first time. It was really good. A couple of people were sick, but we still had a, uh, a small turnout, which was good. And uh, just be praying for the participants, the leaders, helpers. And um, yeah, God, the way God works is often in ways unexpected. It's uh, really cool to watch. So uh, let's be praying for Alpha everyone and I don't think it's too late to keep inviting people like sometimes the second or third or even fourth week people come along and and that seems to work too you know God God does things so uh, let's just keep praying for Alpha and that hey I'm gonna pray um, again just briefly as we are yeah father I pray that we would uh, be here this morning in expectation of of you being really present with us and of you doing what you want to do. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We gather in your name, Jesus. We are your temple. We are your household. And you're building us together to be a spiritual house that contains your presence. We just thank you for that. Thank you for that. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you continue your work this morning, building us to be the building that you want us to be, the field that produces fruit that you want um, us to be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, we are in this little series uh, called Blessing, aren't we? Aren't we? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I've got a different message if you want me to <laughs> give it a go. Um, so, in a little series called Blessing, and been talking about, well, where does blessing come from? Where does blessing originate? Obviously, it's from God. Uh, it, and first of all, we've got to define what blessing is. Blessing 
is God's grace being poured out, God's favor, uh, good status with God. It is uh, God's power. We were talking about last week, God's power being poured out for the reason of healing and success in certain ways and flourishing in life. This is God's blessing. It's God's goodness being expressed. And uh, we've, I've said this phrase each week, that God's intention is always to bless. God's intention is always to bless. If you know the heart of God, it is God's intention always to bless. Blessing doesn't always happen, but it's always God's intention that blessing would happen. And this is because God's, because blessing is God's heart. It's an expression of his goodness toward us, of his, his purity. And uh, we saw in Numbers that, you know, the Lord actually commanded the priests to proclaim his blessing over Israel. Lord bless you. He said, I want, them, I want you to bless them in my name, right? The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. What an awesome kind of snapshot of God's heart to bless. God's intention is always to bless. And if you're thinking, well, that was just to Israel. What about all the other nations? Israel's very commission was to be a blessing to the nations. That, that was their key uh, vocation. Uh, that's why uh, God called Israel to be a nation in the first place. Now, we, we saw also last week that God's blessing is not just like, it is showing his positive disposition toward us, like a smile, but it's not empty. Like for God to truly bless, it requires his power. And God's blessing must come with God's power. If it's going to be a real blessing from God, it comes with real power from God. Real power from God. And last week we looked at the ministry of Jesus and that Isaiah 61 passage, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, he quoted from the Old Testament as, as he read um, from Isaiah. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And basically it says to do a whole bunch of good things, setting people free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the year of the Lord's blessing. Favor is blessing. And so this was the commission of Jesus to go out and bless people in God's name, which required God's power. You can't truly bring God's blessing without God's power. Because otherwise it's just a positive disposition. Ah, oh, bless you. Oh, nice. You know, I have positive feelings towards you. But no, no, there's substance with it. And Jesus brought healing, deliverance, uh, sight to the blind, spiritually, metaphorically, you know, all that, and, and physically as well. And so God's blessing comes with God's power. God's blessing has substance, in other words. It is powerful and effective. We often don't think about that when it comes to blessing, do we? Like, bless you. Oh, bless you. Have a good day. Ah, oh, bless, bless, bless. You know? And it's kind of like just a nice, nice pleasantries. But if it's truly God's blessing, it comes with God's power. So today I want to look at this question. What is our role in blessing? What is our role 
in blessing. And we're going to be looking at this more on camp. So really excited for camp. And I believe it will probably just build on what I've been speaking about for the last few weeks. But I think when we actually understand our role in blessing, I actually think, um, like, when we approach this kind of issue, we start getting answers, um, questions answered. Like, when we really understand our role in blessing, I think it answers a bunch of questions that people typically have about this world. And uh, questions and, and, you know, the, the typical questions that, that come. For instance, why, if God loves this world so much, why isn't the world in better condition? Why isn't it in better condition? If God loves this world so much, why is there poverty and suffering and war and famine and disaster? You know, just so much stuff in the world. It's like, if God loves this world so much, he created it, why that in the world? And why isn't God doing more good in the world? Like, we definitely see some good happen in the world, don't we? If we look around, like, we've got to admit that there's plenty of good, good going on. But why not way more? If God is so good and he loves this world so much and he's got all the power, why don't we see far more good happening in the world? And in terms of the impact of Jesus, Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection was a world-changing moment in history. But we can still ask the question, why don't we see more? If you study history carefully, you do see a definite change in world history since Jesus came and a definite progression in things, uh, improvement in certain areas. Um, but then there's all the other stuff too. So why not way more? The Son of God has come. Why not way more change in the world? These questions are real, real questions, aren't they? They're tough. And if, if Jesus came and he lived did his ministry and died and was resurrected and then was ascended to the Father and then sent the Holy Spirit down to the world, why don't we see more impact from the Holy Spirit, God's very presence in this world? Why don't we see more impact from him being present in the world? I think that if we really get our role in blessing, it answers a lot of these questions, like not necessarily all the details, but it answers in a big picture kind of way of what's going on here. And especially when it comes to this question, why aren't churches doing better? Like why aren't churches healthier? Why aren't churches thriving if we're the ones to have accepted the message of Jesus, have Jesus working in our lives, have the presence of God with us via Holy Spirit being with us. And when we gather, two or three gather in Jesus' name, he is here with us. Why don't churches look a whole lot different, more healthy, more vibrant, more flourishing than they do? And again, I think if we really understand our role in blessing, it helps answer that question too, which is a tough one. I'm not saying it answers all the questions. But I think it answers that one. So I'm going to start right off with giving you the kind of big idea. And then we're going to nut that out 
and uh, look at some of the nuts and bolts of how this plays out. Okay, you ready? God designed us humans to be a main vehicle of God's blessing, if not the main vehicle. God designed humans to be a main vehicle of his blessing, okay? Uh, Who in here likes having a good bath? Hands up, come on. Come on, yep. All the ladies, all the ladies, and Louis, yep, yep, good. Um, Other men in the room love a good bath. There's nothing unmanly about having a good bath, is there? That hot water with the Epsom salts, big magnesium, yeah, you know. Louis has his rose petals, I'm sure, and candles as well, and you know, everyone loves a good bath. And the bath starts off empty, right? Now, you've got like a reservoir of water, either on your property, hopefully, if you're on tank water, you've got plenty of water there. Otherwise, you're connected to an incredibly big, you know, reservoir of water. But that bath is empty. Until what? You fill it. A rocket science. <laughs> you turn what? The tap. So there's this almost endless reservoir of water, but an empty bath. And there's a small valve in between the two. All right? The world is the bath. God is the resource of water and life and goodness and power. And guess who's the tap? God has largely created humans to be the tap, which is why the bath is not always full. Let's have a look again. This should be recap for a lot of us, but this is the big story of the Bible looking from Blessing's perspective. In the beginning, oh, look, nice bath. There you go. Oh, who just wants to go and have a bath tonight? All right. All right. <laughs> uh, I remember we, um, we stayed once uh, in New Zealand. We were there for a friend's wedding, and we stayed in this little caboose, like this cool train like, like caboose thing. It was tiny, but they jammed a you know, queen bed in there and jammed a kitchen in there, jammed a bathroom in there, and outside was a barbecue and a bath under the stars. Jade was in heaven. It was awesome. Anyway, <laughs> side note. All right, so in the beginning, God blessed them, humans, and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. So what happens? God, the source of blessing, his heart is blessing, right? He blessed them, and then what's he say? Now you go and do it. Be fruitful, that's fun, and increase in number, you know, fill the earth, not just multiply, but subdue it, right? And then rule over the fish and the birds. In, In other words, everything in every sphere. If you're looking after the birds and the fish and the animals, you're also looking after the spheres that they live in. In other words, you're looking after planet Earth. Like this was the commission. I bless you. Now go and multiply and extend that blessing to the whole world. We are the tap. See, God could have just blessed the whole world and made it all abundant and and filled and, and ruled it lovingly in a perfect way. But he invited humans into the game. Right? He does this out of love. 
because he's not sharing his love with others. And love must be chosen. Love must be free. Otherwise, it's not true love. It's robots. All right? And so God blessed them. And then he goes, and now you extend that blessing to the whole world, every sphere of this planet. This is Genesis 1. This is page 1 of Scripture. It continues on. And Abraham. So from Genesis 1, you know, we, we stuff up and, and the world goes downward in a downward spiral. And he, God picks this one man again out of the bunch. And he says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Notice where the blessing comes from. I will bless you. But then what? I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Notice it comes from God through the person to the world. We are the tap. We are the tap. And Abraham is to be this tap of blessing. And Israel, he is the father of Israel. This was Israel's vocation to the world. They were to be blessed so that there'd be a blessing to the world. And the whole Israel story is fulfilled in who? Jesus. Thank you, Lou. Pass. All right. Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of this promise to Abraham and Israel. And Jesus, the true Israelite, is the one who is blessed, but also goes to bless others. He is the fulfillment. Blessing comes through humans, even in the person of Jesus, to others. And Jesus, as, as last week we looked at, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Isaiah 61, because he has anointed me. To proclaim good news to the poor, he sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, or the year of the Lord's blessing, favor, blessing. Same kind of concept there. So it comes from God through humans, even the person of Jesus, and to the world, which is why, by the way, God had to become human to fix the human predicament. That's why. He had to become human because the blessing could only come through humans. This is the way he created us. And then Jesus' blessing goes to the 12, doesn't it? And he blesses them, and, but not just to them. And they go out and do his things. And then the 70 go out and do his things. And when he's leaving, he, he blesses them. When he left them, led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them, was taken up into heaven. So Jesus literally leaves his disciples blessing them. The implication is what? They're to go and bless others. And they still wait for the Holy Spirit. And not the 12 get anointed with the Holy Spirit, but 120. This is not just an apostle's game. This is every believer in Jesus. And 120 get blessed by the Spirit of God and go and change the world. And even on that day, 3,000 are baptized. And we see that it is not just an apostolic game. This is not a game just for the apostles to go and extend the blessing. But the whole church is what? Blessed with every spiritual blessing. Praise be to God. This is Paul talking to the Ephesians. But this is true for any church, any believer, any group of people who follow Jesus. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. If you are in Christ, you, with the saints, with other believers, have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Do you individually have every spiritual blessing in Christ? 
I don't think so. I think this is an us thing who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Us together, church together, has every spiritual blessing in Christ because in Christ we have access. And then he, uh, Ephesians 2 says that we're seated with Christ in the heavenlies, which means we have this heavenly authority that Christ has. And in Ephesians 2.10, it says that we're created actually to do good works. This is what the church is for. We are a vehicle of God's blessing. Now, you'll notice in Scripture, angels are also a vehicle of God's blessing, aren't they? But you know what Hebrews 1 says about angels? They're sent to serve us. They'd help us be a blessing to the world. We are the tap. God is the reservoir. The world is the bath. And depending on how open that tap is, depends largely on how much of God's goodness and kindness and mercy and healing and restoration and blessing is poured out on this planet. What an incredible responsibility. This is a bit scary in a way, isn't it? Why would God use us? See, we notice that God chooses to use mediators. Like someone, he does things through people, through beings, through agents. Why would he do that? Why would God do that when he can get the job done far better himself? It's a whole sermon, really. But here's the bottom line. Because God is love. Love is relationship. God is a relational God who wants relationship, genuine relationship with his creation. And so he gives this incredible say-so and freedom to the agents that he has made. And he is relational, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He has been loved from the beginning, relating perfectly in and of himself. This is the only monotheistic faith that love can be true and possible before creation because there are three persons in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So there can be relationship among the Godhead. One God, three persons. You getting it? This is deep stuff. But the relationality of God means that he creates his creation to have that kind of say-so that is required in a free love relationship, which means that he gives us true freedom and he doesn't just take it back when we misuse that freedom. That's what it means. That's why, largely why this earth is such a mess, because we've largely misused the freedom. So God gives us this incredible responsibility. But all this means for the church is this, that we are called to continue the ministry of Jesus. We, the church, are called to continue the blessing ministry of Jesus. Jesus as the perfect human being in relationship with God expressed what this can look like. And the church, it's hard to argue if you read the New Testament over and over, it's hard to argue that the church's call is to continue the ministry of Jesus. Not just talk about what Jesus did, and achieved the message of Jesus, but also continued the ministry of Jesus. It's part and parcel. 
When Jesus came on the scene, he talked about the kingdom of God and then he demonstrated the kingdom of God. And it's our call to not just declare the kingdom of God in Jesus in his death and resurrection, but to demonstrate the kingdom of God through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. This is what we're called to do. This blessing ministry continues. The freedom for the poor and the prisoner and the blind and the oppressed, everything Jesus came to do, his apostles continue to do and the 70 continue to do and the church continue to do all throughout. And it's only when we forget that that is our calling in life that we start just kind of playing church and talking about Jesus, not having a dynamic relationship with Jesus, that then he blesses us and through us we go out and do his ministry. At the start of the book of Acts, it actually says, uh, if you read carefully, that this is the continuation of the ministry of Jesus, even though he left. He says, uh, Luke says, in my former book, I told you of all that Jesus began to do and teach. But then he's gone. So what's this second book about, Luke? Luke wrote the book of Acts. It's about what Jesus continued to do through his people. This is what we're called to do. So my desire is that we would be a more powerful source of blessing to each other as a church family and to the community that we live in, our workplaces, uh, where we shop, where everything we do, that we'd be a more powerful source of blessing. Because the ministry of the church is a ministry of blessing. So let me talk real briefly about the blessing ministry of the church. Because it is God's intention to bless people through his people. It's God's intention to bless people through his people. So this expresses in two ways. And if you read the New Testament, you'll see that um, God really wants us to take care of each other. All right? Uh, And I I don't like saying this as a pastor because churches are naturally inward-focused. We become inward-focused, and we've always got to work really hard at being outward-focused. You know, that's our natural thing to become, you know, whether it's just individually self-focused or just, you know, as a community to, you know, just, just look out for us. So as a pastor, you... You know, pastors are always working at uh, getting us to look out and, and think out and, and when we're in our normal day to think not of just us, but look it out, right? But it's true that if you study the New Testament, God wants us to first be concerned about each other. Because if we're not healthy, if we're not thriving, how are we meant to be a source of blessing to the world? But it's just not meant to stop there, okay? Right? We know that, don't we? We know that. But we're meant to, one, be a source of blessing to each other, but then be a source of blessing to those who don't know Jesus, okay? This is very clear throughout the New Testament. I'm just going to look at a couple of um, things here. Um, This is throughout the New Testament, but I just want to focus on uh, a little, little part here. This is just a tiny, tiny part. When it comes to us blessing each other, Remember, what did it say? We are blessed in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And I believe part of that includes spiritual gifts that he gives to his church. So, a real quick teaching on spiritual 
gifts. Spiritual gifts are given. I'm not doing like a proper teaching on spiritual gifts. I'm just breezing past this as an example of us blessing each other, okay? Spiritual gifts are given to the church for the church's edification. That means for the building up of the church, for the strengthening and encouraging of the church, for the individuals and corporate encouraging and building up of the church, okay? And, and, and almost without exception, the gifts given to us individually are to bless other people. There's one gift that's talked about um, that's actually for self-edification, but even that gift has an expression of blessing other people people. So, spiritual gifts. Here we go. Uh, Paul talks about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, mostly, and in other places, but we're just going to look at this. Now, to each one, and he's talking about the church. So, has anyone in church felt like, well, those people are gifted, but I'm not? Paul doesn't agree with you. To each one. Are you one? And you've been gifted. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, is of the Holy Spirit, that is, is given for the what? Common good. All right? For the common good and the building up. Paul uses lots of different words, but it's all for the building up, the edification, the building of this church community. Okay? Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. All right? And then Paul gives a list, which I don't think is exhaustive. I think he's given an example because when he lists these kind of gifts in other books, he only mentions some or others, and there are different ones that we didn't, don't read in this one. Okay, it's, I think it's a sample. And he says this, already. <coughs> to one there is gi- given through the Spirit, it's all through the Holy Spirit, a message or word of wisdom. To another, a message or word of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Let me explain as I go through. Wisdom. And knowledge, you know, something that you wouldn't have known that's going to be helpful for someone else, right? Um, faith is like a supernatural, like trust in God for something in a particular moment for something. To another, gifts of healing by that one same spirit. Uh, obviously, healing, that's pretty easy, isn't it? Mostly for anyone who's sick in any kind of way, mental, physical, whatever. Uh, healing. Uh, to another, miraculous powers. Who wants that one? I want that one. Uh, miraculous powers. Like, so it's not healing. Healing's miraculous power. All of these are fairly miraculous, aren't they? Uh, but healing, it's, it's not talking about healing because that's been given its own category. So maybe when Jesus multiplied the loaves and fishes, that's like a miraculous powers kind of one, isn't it? Or something, you know, plenty of stories of, of miraculous, you know, things happening. So miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. Prophecy, we often think is like foretelling the future. It can be God's word for the present. It can be God's word about the past to a particular person. It can be God's word about the future. And we're not to live by these words like, wow, they said this, so I need to go and do this and change my career. No, no. It's usually a confirmation of what God's already speaking to personally. But it's for the encouragement, um, Paul says. Prophecy is about encouragement. Uh, To another, distinguishing between spirits. This is a spiritual discernment to kind of know and get a gist of kind of what's going on in the spiritual realm. All right? Angels, demons, what's kind of going on? Okay, there's people with this gift of of discernment, of distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of languages or tongues. Okay? This is, you know, I mean, some of these others feel weird, and this is where people get really weirded out. Oh, what is that? That's weird. 
This is what Paul's saying. Some just get this gift. We saw it on the day of Pentecost when they all spoke in different languages and other people understood. Um, I've seen this in operation lots of different ways. It can really build up people. Um, tongues, by the way, is the only one spoken of that is for self-edification too, to do by yourself, just self-edification as well. But to another, interpretation of the tongues. And Paul says mostly when tongues is happening, it should be interpreted so people actually understand what's being said from God. It's like a word from God, but given in another language. And, you know, so it's like, whoa, this is just a, probably a snapshot of all the different gifts that are available. Pretty incredible. And then in other passages, Paul talks about gifts that don't seem as supernatural, but they're still gifts of the Spirit, I believe. And abilities given from God like administration or hospitality or leadership or giving, generosity, all that. So my question is this. What happens in a church where not everyone blesses others through the gifts they've been given by the Spirit? Church is missing out. Someone's missing, individuals are missing out on being encouraged and blessed. The church as a whole is missing out on being built up and encouraged and healed and being given knowledge and wisdom and direction and prophecy and discerning what's going on in the spiritual realm and messages from God, all this, we're missing out. How much more rich would it be if we knew that all the gifts the Spirit is giving us, and these often work really well in a home group context where people know each other deeply and, and there's a really safe space. In a bigger setting like this, it's a bit different, but, but I think the, 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 um, the concept's still the same, that God is giving gifts to all kinds of people at all kinds of different times to bless different kinds of people at different times to build up the whole body. What's happening when we don't? We're missing out. Why are so many churches not encouraged? Maybe this isn't happening. Maybe this isn't happening. This isn't just a, a pastor thing, you know. This is a people thing. This is everybody. We need to be confident that God wants to use us and bless others in the church through the gifts the Spirit gives. It's true that pastors have a role. And if you look at Ephesians 4, here's one of the only passages in the New Testament about pastors. So Christ gave Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, there's that built up again, until we all reach unity in the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What's the role of these these people? given to the church so to encourage the church to be built up and to become mature mature look it's to equip his people like a pastor's role is to equip my job is to equip you to become mature in the faith i mean there are all kinds of expectations on pastors right um jade is going through bible in a year with nikki gumbel again and, um, and she read, let me listen to this part because it was funny. And uh, Nikki says this, um, an online survey listed all the qualities that people expect from perfect pastors. They preach for exactly 12 minutes. Sorry. They are 28 years of age, but have been preaching for 30 years. 
They work from 8 a.m. until midnight, but are also the caretaker. They frequently condemn sin, but never upset anyone. They wear good clothes, buy good books, drive a good car, give generously to the poor, and have a low salary. They make 15 daily calls to parish families, visit the housebound and the hospitalized, spend all their time evangelizing the unchurched, and are always in the office when they are needed. They are also very good looking. At least I accomplished one of those things, (laughs) according to my wife. What? (laughs) A nice car. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) God's intention is to bless people through his people. Bless people through his people. I'm meant to help equip you to do that. I want to see... Let's be a church that looks to bless each other, build each other up. Let's see people as the treasure. Let's see people as the treasure. Let's pray for one another. Encourage one another. Learn to receive the blessings from God and pass them on. Be strong spiritually ourselves in our own quiet times with God. To be strong, to be able to bless others, come from a place of blessing. I just want to pause on this one. We need to be a church that prays for one another. Like if Lou comes back and these leaders come back from KFC and they come and they look like whacked. <laughs> like how many of us are here able to come and just put a hand and, hey, let me just pray a blessing over you, strengthening over you. If you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for 20 years and still feel uncomfortable praying out loud and praying for one another and actually operating in the spiritual gifts, If it's been 20 years or more, it's time. (laughs) It's time. Uh, If you're a new Christian, you're like, praying out loud is scary, and I don't even understand spiritual gifts yet, but, you know, I want God to use me. Like, don't worry, it's not scary. And get this, I have never, and I love this, I love hearing people pray for the first time. I've never had a, I've never, ever, I've heard it many times, I've never heard a bad prayer. The heart that prays out loud for the first time or prays for someone, oh, it's beautiful. And I always learn something every time of this heart, that, especially if people haven't been raised in church or anything and they're just praying the way they feel they should pray. I, I learn because I've been churchified, you know, and I learn that, wow, because they're just talking to their heavenly dad and they just speak kind of freely. They're not sure what the right things are to say. And they just say it. And I love that. Don't be afraid. And if you are just afraid in that sense, get along someone who's confident to do it and do it with somebody. Let them lead the way. Let them coach you and teach you into that. We've got to be a church that prays for each other. I'd love to see us eating donuts, eating coffee, and praying for each other. That's a natural part of who we are. You're going to walk away way more blessed, way more encouraged and filled up when you know you've met with God through the Holy Spirit's gift given to someone else through given to you. You get this? This is awesome. And yeah, there are stages we go through and learning all that. I've got to wrap up. Because we're, as the worship team come back up. So God's intention is to bless people through his people, 
Jesus, we are the body of Christ. His ministry continues through his body in the world. We are the tap. So we ask the questions like, why isn't the world in better condition? Why is there poverty? Why is there loneliness? Why is there hopelessness? Why is there conflict and relational issues and suicide and orphans not being taken care of and health issues? Why God? Why God? Why God? And our neighbor is in need and we're not doing anything about it. And there are apparently two plus billion people on planet Earth who proclaim to follow Jesus. If everybody who proclaimed to follow Jesus followed Jesus and did what he was telling us to do, so many of the world's problems would be solved, would, would be fixed through the power of the Spirit working through his people. Like so many people ask me, what is God's plan for the world? And they assume it's doom and gloom and look, we must be near end times. But is that God's plan for the world? When God called Jesus, he called Abraham, he called Adam to be a blessing, the tap of blessing to this world. And the church is called to continue on the ministry of Jesus in this world, to be a blessing to every nation. And to disciple all the nations of the world. Does that sound like a game plan that ends in doom and gloom? Or does that sound like a plan where Jesus, through his spirit, powerfully works in the church? Addressing so many social issues that we thought just weren't solvable. Or that we expected governments should fix. This is what it's about, church. This is our calling. Let me pray. Father, make us bold because you've given us such a great calling. May we be an open tap. May this church be an open tap to the community around us. May we receive and know the pressure that is behind that tap, that the resources, the power the love of God that will supply all things we need to be a blessing to each other and this world. God, I pray freedom from anyone who has fear in being that, that source of blessing for others or praying for others or whatever it is. I pray that fear be gone in Jesus' name. I pray for a fresh sense of confidence from you, Father God. Holy Spirit, would you be working in hearts right now? And Lord, there are some hearts that are just so excited to serve you but don't know how. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would deposit right now in their heart or in someone else's heart that is meant to express a gift this morning and pray for someone else and have that word of knowledge or wisdom from you to be able to, to give them that knowledge, to give them that direction this morning. And for those in fear, Lord, I pray that you'd give a gift amongst your people that would be transferred to that person to give them boldness and confidence. Lord, if there are people who need that healing, I pray Holy Spirit, that you deposit those healing gifts in others right now, ready to pray for those who have a need. 
Holy Spirit, this is your ministry through your church. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. Come, Holy Spirit. We open our hearts to receive from you. Bless us so that we would be a blessing to each other and this world. In Jesus' name. And keep your eyes closed. Um, just ask God, who is it here this morning that he is calling you to maybe just stand alongside and just ask, hey, do you want me to pray for you? Just drop a... I ask Holy Spirit, you drop a name into people's heads right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, come and do your work among us. Help us be bold. Bless each other. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like more info, please see our website at jbc.org.au. May you know Jesus' presence with you. Have a great day and God bless.